Hello and welcome to the Monroe Method Clancast. I am Jason Monroe and this is episode 51. 51. So, last week's milestone episode that was about a little bit off topic, but still helpful. I hope I had um, quite a lot of nice messages, actually, after the last episode and off the back of the the Instagram post that I did that was kind of tied into it. So, getting back into usual, normal, nutrition-type mindset, etc. topics. Today, we're going to talk about ridiculously simple, stupidly basic things that drive overeating. Um, I am just going to dump, so I just sat before this and I wrote down a bunch of examples. Um, I am just going to dump these all on you and you are going to have little light bulb moments and epiphanies as you hear me go through some of these and explain them. I'm going to start with this one first because that so I'm a nutritionist I have been for uh what what year is this 2023 I don't know six years six years now and there aren't many things that I haven't seen or heard by this point but that's one side of it there's still very much for me to learn when I say there's not many things that I haven't seen or heard I mean in terms of working with people however from from the other side of things, like my experience and my knowledge and uh, my my knowledge base, uh, I've still got lots of things to learn. And I learn things all the time. I learn things from reading, from watching, from uh, people I look, to, look up to in the industry, from the people I work with. I learn a lot. Uh, and I learned something the other day that I did. So I was in the kitchen. And this is why this is my favourite one. It's my hot topic that's going round in my head at the moment. And it's like a bit of a discovery that I've had. I've never seen anyone mention this or talk about this before. I was in a bit of a hurry last week. And like I normally sit down to eat. That's like one of my habits that I have. I sit down to eat at the table. Um, No TV, no phone, no nothing. I just sit and connect with what I'm doing. Because... As we'll talk about in a bit, the more distractions you have, the less likely you are to tune into your body, to to be able to hear your body telling you that you're full, the more likely you are to overeat. And that's what this is all about, simple behaviours that drive your overeating. So here's my epiphany, right? I was in a bit of a hurry last week. I can't remember what I was doing, but I made a sandwich and I stood at the kitchen island and ate it. And it was gone in a second. And I, I went to pick up another bit and take another bite. And I was like, where is it? No way did I just eat that entire thing. I thought I'd only had the first half of it. I'd cut it in half. I'd eaten the full thing. And it got me thinking about standing up and eating. Uh, and then it made me think about other occasions where I've been standing and eating. And when you think about it, if you if you eat while standing, like in the kitchen, in fact, anywhere, fucking anywhere, it doesn't matter, forget the kitchen, if you eat standing anywhere, and I'm now thinking back to last Christmas, when I was at the Christmas markets in Edinburgh, there was no, there, there was an, at the end, they, they rearranged it all, the Christmas market in Edinburgh, shit now, it used to be really good, it's fucking shit, um, the, the layout's terrible, this, 
spread the play the thing over two different parts of Princess Street Gardens. It's garbage. Anyway, last year we went down to get something to eat at the corner where all the food places are. There were no tables and chairs. No tables and chairs. So I think we'd got a pizza between the four of us. Me and the, my wife and my two kids. And we stood and ate it. And you know what? It, it just hammers this home where the less comfortable you are while performing a task, the, the quicker you are, the more likely you are, sorry, to perform that quickly. So it was December, obviously, freezing cold, nowhere to sit, and we're standing, we've got backpacks, kids' juice bottles, all that shit. It's busy as anything, and we're trying to eat this pizza. My youngest is complaining it's too hot. My eldest is getting it all down on. We, you know, we had some, had to go back and get more napkins, digging through this backpack full of stuff, trying to find baby wipes. It was stressful. But at the same time, we were all hungry and we all had to eat. And <clears throat> we ended up, or my wife and I at least, just to get it out of the fucking way so we could actually just help the kids and make this situation not as stressful. We ate it very quickly. So when you are trying to perform a task and you're experiencing a lot of discomfort, whether that's physically or mentally, you will want to get that task done as quickly as possible. So when you are standing and eating, <clears throat> standing and eating is awkward. It's not good. It can be awkward. There might not be any way to put something down. And it's just, it's given me, it's, it's this new thing that I'm running away with at the moment and thinking about and talking about a lot. Where, you know, if if you're in the kitchen and you're making something or you're trying to have something quickly or maybe you're trying to eat in between doing stuff and you're just jumping back and taking a bite and then going doing something else, you are so far removed from the act of eating. You're so disconnected from what you're doing that, the more disconnected you are, the less likely you are to, to feel yourself starting to get full. And that's one of the biggest problems that people have when it comes to overeating. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily just that they want to keep eating and eating and eating, though some people do want to do that because they're driven by taste. But there are many people who, if they if they were able to recognise sooner that their stomach was starting to feel full, they would stop eating much sooner. And that would drastically, massively reduce their overall calorie intake every single day. And it would have a huge impact. So, simple things that drive your overeating. Standing while eating. Take some time to mull that one over and apply it to your own life, your own setup, your own situation. Is it true for you? Leaving food in plain sight. My, I don't know if I've mentioned this on here before, but I've spoken about it a few times to clients at least. My wife used to follow, when we moved into this new house, my wife had started like a, a new build um, Instagram account with, you know, like all the shit that they do, all carpet samples, here's the house getting built, all that stuff. She doesn't do it anymore. That got thrown at the window pretty quickly. Um and she followed she she followed like a quite a few home accounts on it. And she followed this woman who had a home account but also complained about her weight constantly. And my and she had like, I don't know, 
60,000 followers or something. My wife's like, oh, you should message her and tell her you'll help her. No, I don't message people asking them to work with me. I just, I, I, I don't, that doesn't sit well with me. It's like, it's like those, um, it's like the Slim and World consultants at our local gala day that have a stall and just walk up to people that they think look overweight and try and hand them a goodie bag. How horrendous is that? Anyway, <clears throat> this woman used to complain about her weight a lot. And we'd be, my wife and I would be sitting on the couch. I'd be watching the TV. My wife would be pretending to watch the TV, but actually watching endless Instagram stories. And she'd showed me this. The woman was walking around her kitchen. She went, look at her kitchen. And my wife was just trying to show me this lovely kitchen, which was very smart. But she got round to this, you know, she was sweeping around her kitchen and she got round to this breakfast bar bit. And here are these giant glasses so like, you know, when you go to, to restaurants and they'll have like a, like a wine glass the size of a small child and they fill it with like corks. Every time they open a bottle of wine, the cork goes in there and it's just this decorative thing. Well, this woman, this woman had these in her kitchen. So she had like a big tall wine glass, a big tall martini glass and a big tall something else glass. All kind of similar. Right, and bearing in mind, these were set up as a display on a kitchen island, right? So they're already pretty, they themselves are pretty tall, but now they're on the kitchen worktop. So they're at eye level. What are they filled with? One's got M&Ms, one's got Skittles, one's got jelly beans or jelly babies or something in it. Now this woman simultaneously complains about her weight, but has these three glasses of sweets. Now they're glass, they're see-through. Not just that, they're sitting on a kitchen worktop. Not just that, they're at eye level. You cannot walk through that kitchen, anywhere in that kitchen, and not see these sweets. Now, how likely are you to put your hand in that wine glass or that whatever they were, cocktail glass, every single time you walk past and grab a handful of sweets? I would fucking do it every time. Every single time I walk past it, you I can bet you I would be eating those sweets. The environment that you create at home is incredibly important. So like another good example is um when when I talk I've done a couple of talks inside Clan Monroe about this kind of thing about creating the right environment at home. You know, someone will say, oh, you know, every, every time I make a cup of tea, I have a custard cream or, or two bourbons. I'm like, right, well, tell me about this situation. Where are the biscuits? Oh, the biscuits are next to the tea. <laughs> right. Okay. Have you ever thought about moving the biscuits away from the tea so that when you're in there, you don't see them? Oh, they're not in with the tea. that They're in a glass jar sitting on the worktop. So, you know, when, when you're trying... When we're trying to implement new behaviours and new habits or change old ones, it's about making it as easy as possible to follow through on. Because at the moment, the thing you're making it easy to follow through on by keeping these custard creams in a glass jar next to the kettle or in the same cupboard as where your tea and coffee and sugar are, that's the one that you're making easy. You're making eating those biscuits. Not that you can't have biscuits with tea, but if your problem is every time you have one of your five cups of tea a day, you're having two or three custard creams with it and you're getting through three quarters of a packet of custard creams a day on top of your breakfast, lunch and dinner, then it's obviously a problem. So leaving food in plain sight. At home, in the kitchen, create an environment where you do not leave food lying around the place. Don't leave stuff lying on kitchen worktops. Think about the amount of times that you've got a takeaway. 
um, and because takeaway portions are so massive, there's always some stuff left over. You take what you want, you don't put it all away, you leave it on the kitchen worktop, you go sit down, you eat what you're having, and then you go back and get more. Would you go back and get more if it wasn't lying on the worktop open or still within plain sight or within easy reach? Probably not. And tying in with that, keeping food at your desk or in a car. In a car. I have this little thing. I don't know why. I don't know why I do it. I've just developed this thing because, I don't know, it's something that I think about a lot. Of people eating in cars. I notice people eating in their cars. And I, obs- I observe it from a purely professional standpoint. So, for example, if, if I drive into Audi, I will look at every car, the way our Audi works. Like, there's a bit of a road that comes out of it up to, like, a junction. If I'm driving to Audi on a Sunday morning, I will drive down. I'll look at every person going past. And I'll count how many of them are eating. And I can guarantee you, more than half of the people you drive past coming out of the supermarket, their mouth will be gone. Because they've done their shopping, but they've also grabbed that extra little thing to have in the car. Now, that's that's a habit. Every time I go to the supermarket, I eat whatever it is that people are eating. A packet of crisps, a packet of sushi, a sandwich, whatever it is you've grabbed. A packet of baked lentil veggie bite things or whatever other shit they've got stacked up at the the checkout. Um, eating in the car. I used to get a lift to work from a guy who was obese. That's not a criticism. He was obese. It's a statement of fact. He knew he was. His doctor had told him about his weight. He'd had two heart attacks. Still wasn't enough to get him to do anything about it. His choice, his life, his body, his lifestyle. Something that I did observe with him, though, was when when he picked me up in the morning to take me to work, his car doors... His mouth was always going, this was another one, like, I would, probably, this must have been something I picked up on years ago as well. But his his mouth would be going like, like this. And it's boiled, boiled sweets. And his door, his car doors, he was, he was an older guy, like, I would have called him like a granddad, but that was like 10 years ago when I worked in this place. <laughs> I would have thought of him as a granddad. And... His car was set up like I expect granddad cars to be set up, like everything had its place. It was all very, it was almost like someone treating their car like a caravan. It was like a Swiss army car. There was something for everything um, for people that traveled quite a lot. And the the doors had two or three bags of sweets in each door. Boiled sweets, humbugs, pan drops, whatever else. So, in that instance, you know, that guy is not just having his breakfast, he's not just having his lunch, he's not just having his dinner. Every time he gets in that car, he is eating multiple sweets, depending on the length of the car journey. Hundreds of calories a day, just because he's in a car. Not because he's hungry, not because he needs the energy, not be- not for any other reason than, every time I drive my car, I eat sweets because I line the doors of my car with sharing bags of various boiled sweets. So keeping food at your desk, similar thing. You know, if you're sat at your desk, unless you have a massively interesting job that you absolutely love every single second of, you are going to look for ways to spice up your day as best you can, which might include checking your phone multiple times, 
um, playing games on your phone, going onto social media, whatever, or reaching for food or drink that you have lying around. So keeping food at a desk or in the car, I shouldn't have put those both on the same line because the in the car one is the big one for me. Because if if you eat every single time you're in the car, and this is similar to the, the, the biscuit and tea thing. So if you have two biscuits every time you have a cup of tea, then how many biscuits you eat in a day is determined by how many cups of tea you have. And then this is when, so this is what I call anchoring your eating to the external, where we're moving away from our body's needs, from our energy needs, from actually listening to our body when it says you're hungry, it's time to eat. And when it, when it's not telling you hungry and it's not time to eat, you're, you're, rel- you're relinquishing that responsibility and you're handing it over to your hot drink habits, to your driving habits. Every time I am in the car, I eat two or three of these at 150 calories. And that's in both directions, 300 calories. And that's four trips a day, 15, what did I say, 300? 1,500 calories on top of breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, supper, etc. So yeah, eating in the car is a massive one. Portion sizes. I had a, I didn't write this down. Let's see if I can remember what I said when I thought about this. Portion sizes. It's easier. It's e- yeah. <laughs> Large portion sizes. I'm actually going to record a reel today about this, about um, food waste. But portion sizes. There is no need to put a massive portion on your plate, especially when you're at home and you you can go back and get more. So here's something to think about this. It is easier to go up and get more food than it is to scrape food into a bin. Now, I don't mean that physically, because, I don't know, they probably both require the same level of physical effort. But mentally, mentally, it is easier to go back and put more food on a plate to eat than it is to take your plate to a bin and scrape food into a bin. Change my mind. Eating quickly. Eating quickly. So this kind of ties in a little bit with with the standing while eating, but the eating quickly part happens because you're standing eating. You want to eat quickly because you're not 100% comfortable. You want to get it out of the way so you can go and do the next thing. Um, But eating quickly. I, admittedly, and I, I talk about this quite a lot, I used to be horrendous for eating quick, And I still am. I still am. If I don't do my little tasks and my little things that I need to do to slow my eating down, like making sure I sit down at a table, that's like the big one for me. I need to sit down and eat. If I sit down and eat, I go into slow eating mode. It's, it's If I sit down at a table and eat, then I don't need to put any effort into eating slowly. I'll just do it. But if you remove me from that situation and stand me up somewhere or sit me on a couch in front of a TV or a phone or my computer or whatever, well, not so much my computer. I'm actually, I eat quite slow if I sit at the computer because I prefer to work and the eating's like a secondary thing. Um, but anyway, I will eat quickly. I, When I was a young boy, I had numerous things going on that encouraged me to eat quickly. Number one, hurry up and fucking eat <laughs> from my mum and dad. <laughs> Um, you're not allowed to leave the table until you've finished everything. So I, I, what I discovered was, even if I wasn't completely hungry or there was too much food on my plate, 
I discovered that if I ate very quickly, it did not matter how much food was on that plate. Oh, I've just thought of another one. I need to write this on my list. It didn't matter how much food was on my plate. I would be able to finish it. Not only that, I loved playing. I was an outdoors kid. Um, where My mum still lives in the house that I grew up in, a mid-terraced house, ex-council house. But it backed onto this big hill that went down the way. So there was no houses at the back or anything. It was a big green space behind us. Lots of trees, lots of bushes, lots of fun. Uh, I was always doing weird shit like building bases, digging tunnels. <laughs> Don't tell my mum, that was horrendous. We actually dug some proper, proper tunnels and caves. That, honestly, how I'm still alive, I do not know when I think back to that. Uh, tree houses, tree swings tree walkways, rope, tree height things, all this stuff. I was outside all the time. It was very, you know, my mum used to just go to the back door and shout, Jason, dinner. Uh, eating, for me, was an inconvenience between playtimes. I would go out all day and not come home and be starving for dinner at night. You know, playing was more important than eating when I was a kid. Um, so yeah, I developed this horrendous habit of eating ridiculously quickly for all of those reasons. I wanted to get back out and play. I wanted to be able to finish my plate so that I could move on to the sweet thing that came next or get away from the table or make sure I finished everything because I wasn't allowed to leave the table until it was all done, but I wasn't particularly hungry at this time. So yeah. Why is it a bad thing? Like I said earlier on, it removes your ability to recognise when you're starting to feel full. Your body has numerous internal mechanisms that all work together to help you achieve something called homeostasis, which is a fancy way of saying balance. So if if your body needs hydration, you will get thirsty. If your body needs sleep, you will get sleepy. If your body needs fuel, it will, you will get hungry. This is These are your internal mechanisms trying to help maintain balance, right? The fuel's starting to run out. We need more. Give them a little tummy rumble. On you go, get something to eat. We're kind of running low on water here. Here's a little bit of thirst. Go get something to drink, right? That's basically how it works. And once you've had enough, it, it works at the opposite end. But the problem is that we need... I mean, sleep's a good one, right? When you get... When you... When your body's tired and needs rest, it will tell you. But you can wake up at any time and then just get up again. So it will tell you when it's tired, but it's then your job to make sure that you're getting an adequate amount. So your ability to have a good sleep will be dependent on you not sitting watching Netflix in bed and falling asleep to a TV or you know scrolling social media before bed like having good sleep hygiene to set you up for that sleep so your body sends you the trigger it's then your responsibility to do the thing and do it well and that's how it works with your eating right I'm hungry over to you go do something about it oh, okay let me just go eat this thing really really fast um, and by the time your body realizes that it's in there and it's had enough it's too late because you've already put too much in so with eating we don't need to eat slowly I think that's a ridiculous thing to say we do not need to eat slowly it's just that most people need to eat slower than they already are so this is advice that I give out and I stick with it but since we're on the podcast and I can elaborate on it I think it's stupid to tell people to eat slowly because 
It's not slow. It's a normal pace. The thing is, you can't tell people to eat at a normal pace because a normal pace for most people is, is very quick. <laughs> but when I imagine eating slowly, like imagine someone eating in slow motion, that's what I think about when I think of someone. It's like all very slow and their hand going up to the mouth at like a quarter speed. That's just the way my brain works. You don't need to eat slowly. You need to eat slower. So take your time. Don't eat slowly because you'll just look weird. Um, take your time when you're eating. Give your body the chance to recognise that you have actually eaten something. It's on its way down your throat and it's actually hitting your stomach, right? That takes time. If you give your body the time to recognise that, it will tell you when you are full or when you're starting to feel full and then again, the ball's back in your court, it's up to you to stop eating after that. Skipping meals. Skipping meals. This is a bit of a, this is a bit of a funny one and it's a very individualised thing. So I'll give you two examples, right? If, um, we would call this intermittent fasting, right? Because that's what people do. They make up for names. They make up words and names for things that we've been doing for hundreds of years. Intermittent fasting is just skipping breakfast for most people. So skipping meals can either be a positive thing or a negative thing. A positive thing might be if someone is pretty busy in the morning, getting ready for, for work, getting kids ready for school, um, maybe they just have a very busy morning at work and they don't think about food until lunchtime. Awesome. Capitalise on that. That means that you've removed a meal's worth of calories from your day and then you've just got dinner and uh, lunch and dinner to go and maybe something after or in between. And that might mean that your Monday to Friday, you are consuming a few hundred calories less than you need which is great because when it comes to the weekend and work isn't there and you do get hungry in the morning and you do have breakfast or and then at night you do have takeaways or you have a drink or whatever, a meal out and your calories are a few hundred more than you need, it helps you achieve balance. That's a positive way of skipping a meal working out. A negative way, and this is one that I see a lot, is either people not being able to eat, I'm not going to say not being able, everyone can eat, people who don't want to eat first thing in the morning, however, that's their only chance to eat until whatever time later when they're at work. So you go to work and your first break might be lunchtime. So you've got up, you've not been hungry because you've just woke up, you're getting ready, blah blah blah, you get to work, then you start to feel hungry. But it's still three hours until lunchtime and so you go to the staff room or the kitchen to make a cup of tea and there's all staff room type food in there because we all know what kind of foods are lying around staff rooms and what people bring in so you've skipped breakfast it's now 10 a.m you're quite hungry dinner's a few hours away lunch is a few hours away here you are in this kitchen and somebody's brought in a tray of donuts or someone's brought in a tray of cakes or there's a packet of sweets or a tub of Haribo's or whatever it is. And here you are eating foods that you shouldn't eat when hungry, while you're hungry and consuming a massive amount of calories. In this instance, if, if I was working with someone and they told me about this, this is where we would implement something called strategic eating. 
which is a fancy way of saying what I was going to say, which is a fancy way of saying, I don't know, it's a fancy way of saying have breakfast. (laughs) Strategic eating, it's not just about having breakfast. Strategic eating is when you look ahead to a future eating issue and ask yourself how you can solve that three hours before, right? So what's the problem? 10 a.m. I am smashing the biscuit tin at work, then I go have my lunch, right? Well, the problem here is you're not having breakfast, but I don't want breakfast. Yeah, I get that. But you also don't want to be smashing biscuits at 10 o'clock in the morning. So have a breakfast. What you're doing there is you are strategically offsetting the 10 a.m. hunger that you know you're going to get. So it's telling yourself, I know I'm not hungry right now, but I also know I'm going to be hungry at 10 o'clock. And I also know that I will have six chocolate digestives at 10 o'clock at whatever. I don't know how many calories are in them. 90 something probably, as I guess. Um, So you, you have a bowl of cereal or you have whatever, whatever you have for breakfast. I don't eat breakfast often. I'm that person, actually. I'm the person that doesn't eat breakfast Monday to Friday, but does it the weekend. Um, And another example of strategic eating to come at the end of the day is, so like yesterday, in fact, I did a check-in with someone who is coming coming home from work absolutely ravenous and eating while making dinner. I used to do this. I used to come home from that same job I was telling you about where I got a lift to work. I would come home from my work ravenous, make my dinner, and I always had a cheese and Branston pickle sandwich while I was making my dinner. (laughs) And then I would eat my dinner. And that is why I was a 14 stone version of myself. Things like that. Um, So yeah, if you are absolutely ravenous and coming home and making dinner, and while you're making that dinner, you are eating a cheese and pickle (laughs) pickle sandwich like I used to do, or whatever it is that you're doing, then what's the problem? The problem is, so think of think of your hunger as being on a scale, right? Let's say you're coming home from work and your hunger is up at a nine, right? Which is intense. One step below 10, absolute maximum hunger. You're ravenous. So you're coming home from work and your hunger's an eight or a nine and you're then putting yourself in a position where you're preparing a meal with hunger at eight or nine, right? That's a recipe for disaster. So what's the solution? Well, we don't want to make you not hungry for dinner, but we want to take that hunger from an eight to a nine down to like a four to a five. So how can you do that? Well, at three o'clock in the afternoon, I am going to have a protein bar or a banana or whatever it is, something that's going to fill you up and just a little, just a little bit. It doesn't need to fill you up a massive amount. You just need to have enough to offset that pre-dinner hunger so that you're not preparing food with an eight or nine, you're preparing it with a four or five. And that way it's it's much easier to manage the way that you're behaving around that food. It's like it's like going to the supermarket. You don't go to the supermarket on an empty stomach because you then come home with a bunch of shit that you don't need. It just looked brilliant at the time because you were starving. God, that looks nice. That looks good. God, I bet that's great. You end up spending a fortune more than you plan to and you've got a bunch more things that were, weren't on your shopping list. Right, this is turning into a very long episode, my goodness. What else? Let's get through these. Uh, going toe-to-toe with hunger. Fighting with hunger. Battling with hunger. And that's similar to what I just mentioned. But there are people who just try to, f- to, to fight hunger. 
Like, and it's, it's not that they're busy and they're not noticing it. It's they are intentionally trying to hold themselves back from eating. And we all know what that leads to, right? If, get, if there's one thing that is sure in life, it's that hunger always wins. In the same way that the casino always wins. The house always wins, right? Hunger will always win. Yes, you will be able to ignore it and fight it and whatever, put it off for so long. But in the end, it's only going to work for so long, right? Hunger always wins. Having no plan. Having absolutely no plan whatsoever. No meal plan, no nothing. You just go to the supermarket, you grab a bunch of food, you bring it home, and every night you come in and go, what's for tea? What's for tea? What's for tea? What's for tea? As you check the fridge, the freezer, the cupboards, etc. I don't like the whole fail, what is it? Fail to plan, plan to fail, or fail to prepare, prepare to fail, whatever it is. I don't like that, right? Because you can't, it's, it's not failing as such. Like if you, if you don't have a meal plan, you're not failing. You're just achieving whatever it achieves whilst having no plan. So it's important to at least know what you're having for dinner most nights rather than leaving it to chance. Grazing. I'm going to talk about this somewhere else. I think I'm going to talk about it on, on an Instagram reel soon. Um, by the way, so there's this new thing on Instagram and it's called, um, shit, what are they called? Let me grab my phone. Uh, it's a, a broadcast channel. So I have set up a broadcast channel. The reason that I'm recording this podcast today is because I put a vote in my broadcast channel, which is basically like this exclusive Instagram community. And I absolutely love it because the people are, that are in there and interacting, those are the people that are most interested. And it means that I get to make sure that the stuff I post gets put in the front, put in front of the eyes of the people that want to see it the most. So like anytime I, rather than depending on the algorithm to make sure it pushes things to people, I now have this broadcast channel that I can make sure people get to see things. So today, as a little trial, I posted in there, so this is Thursday, this this podcast goes out tomorrow, Friday. I put in and said, let's have some fun. I've got a reel and podcast to record today. I have a bunch of topics written down and I want you to decide what today's reel and tomorrow's podcast will be. So today's reel is going to be about eating for an energy boost, 63 votes. Today's the podcast you're listening to, Simple Things That Drive Overeating, 56 Votes. Um, how, how grazing leads to weight gain. Oh, see, if, if I talk about this one, I'll be giving away next week's topic. Let's cross that off the list and skip to the last one. Let's not talk about grazing. Tune in next week for all this stuff about grazing. Right, the last one. I don't know how I forgot this one. This used to be one of my favourite overeating tactics when I was a boy. And I call it Saving the best for last. Um, imagine you go to McDonald's, and I bet lots of you do this, not just in McDonald's, but in other places as well, but imagine going to McDonald's, ordering a meal with fries and a drink, and you sit and you eat every one of your chips first because you know that it doesn't matter how full you are after the chips, you are going, that the the burger, the chicken burger, the, the wrap, the whatever it is you're going to have, you know that, how much you enjoy that afterwards, you'll be able to eat it regardless of how full you are. And I actually had this conversation with a client just yesterday where she said, we did our check, we spoke about this two weeks ago, she did her check-in yesterday. 
She says, I'm no longer saving the best for last and I'm now leaving food on my plate because I, I realise that I've been eating too much. So she would go round her plate, eat all the things that she liked the least first because they were easier to eat. Well, when I say like the least, I'm not saying that she was eating stuff that she didn't like, but there was stuff on the plate that she liked more than others. So the tactic was uh, using the initial hunger to drive the eating of the kind of less interesting foods. And as that hunger starts to fade, using the taste of the last thing to make sure they got through that. And that was one of the things that was helping them clear every single plate of food. And that is not a helpful habit to have because the chances that every single full plate of food being the exact amount of food that you need at every meal time, you've got more chance of winning the lottery than you have of putting out a correctly portioned uh, size of food to match your exact energy needs. You put the food out, you eat it at a reasonable pace, not slowly, not in slow motion, you eat at a reasonable pace and you listen to your body, you eat without distractions and your body will say, right, our stomach is starting to get full, balls in your core, are you going to stop eating? So saving the best for last, another very simple thing that you might have been doing your whole life and not even realised it, that could be driving your overeating and anything that drives overeating can of course drive weight gain. Anyway, I hope that's been helpful. Let me know how many of these you do and how many of them you're going to stop doing after this podcast. Come join my broadcast channel. Um, I don't know how to do it. I think you just go to my Instagram account. When I look at my dashboard, in fact, let me do it from my other Instagram account. So if I go to me from my other account, oh, it doesn't show up there. Oh, no, that's not me. Dickhead. I need to go to Monroe Nutrition. There we go. Yeah, there it is, broadcast channel, so you can join it. Um, so go to my Instagram account, Monroe Nutrition, at Monroe Nutrition. On my main page, you'll see a thing that says Clan Monroe Broadcast Channel. There's 291 members at the moment. Tap it, join it. Uh, yeah, tap it, and just tap it and join Just do it, right? I'm not going to tell you why you should, just do it. I'm basically going to share everything in there first before I share it anywhere else. You'll have a say in these podcast episodes and the content I create. You'll be first to hear about anything new that's happening, such as some big announcements I've got coming up in October. It's, uh, Monroe, The Monroe Method, Monroe Nutrition is moving to an app away from the Facebook groups. Uh, but more on that coming soon. And yeah, that's all you need from me. Until next time.